Well, welcome back to A Voice in the Distance Ministries as we are in the second half of what we call today the Horizontal Commandments. Uh, we're, we're looking at uh, Exodus chapter 20 within the Ten Commandments. Uh, the last message we did was the vertical commandments. And those were the first five commandments in regards to commandments towards God. And so what we're going to be looking at today is the horizontal commandments. And that means the, uh, the commandments towards one another. Towards us so here at mankind here on earth. And how we should be living with one another. But you see, the horizontal commandments were, were, uh, were given last because the vertical commandments must come first. Why? Because God must come first. When we look at the very first commandment that he gave is that you shall, I'm the Lord your God and you shall have no other gods before me. And we've seen through biblical ages and we've seen through today that that commandment has been broken time and time again. And, and so there were repercussions for that and, and so on and so forth. But we've, we've gone over that in the vertical commandments and I, I hope and pray you've uh, heard that one first. Uh, before we go on to the next. But again, it's all interesting because these commandments are commandments that, that people follow all the time, even though they don't believe in God or they, they don't give the credit to God. And what we're doing here is we're looking at the, at the aspects here of what God wanted. And on Sunday mornings, in, in uh, the group that I teach on Sunday mornings, we did an in-depth, as I said in the previous message, we do an, uh, we've done an in-depth of all ten commandments. And it's, it was very enlightening because when we read the commandments, we just read them and okay, it was okay, I got it. And, but you know what? There was more to each one. And looking at each one gave me a little more of an, uh, of an important um, aspect of, of how to be living by these Ten Commandments. Because they still, yes, they still pertain to us today. We still look at these and say that no, I'm not gonna, we're not gonna break these. These are wrong to do. We've seen the destruction in our lives from breaking these. We've seen the destruction in our li- in the lives of those throughout history by breaking these commandments. And so we're gonna take a look here at the last five. And and so again, Moses was on the mount with God, and God had spoke to him. He came down, and he and he had come down with two tablets. Two tablets. I'd imagine the first five had the vertical, and now the last two will have the horizontal. And so let's take a look here. Let's jump into it. If you have a Bible, we're in Exodus chapter 20. And we're going to be looking at verse 12 of of Exodus chapter 20, which says, A lot of us have heard this. Honor your, your father and your mother, that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving to you. Now, this was the, uh, this was the first commandment or the only commandment with a promise. Honor your mother and father that you will have that your days on the uh, will be long on the land that God has given to you. And it's interesting because when we look at that commandment we think like well why was that one why was that one there the mo- like the uh, the one with a promise. If you could put the pieces together the very first commandment in the vertical commandment towards God was that you shall have no other God before you. Why? Because he is our father. So the very first of the horizontal commandment was honor your mother and father. See, God allowed us to have kids, right? He allowed us to have children. And I, I truly believe, I truly believe that God allowed us to have children so that way we, so that way we can see what he goes through with us. <laughs> you know, we, we have stressed so much in, in the concern of our children. 
And we see now, I understand now that I was just like, okay, Lord, now I see what you went through with me, and now I see what you go through right now. There's got to be so much. So much. But only God himself can handle these things. But to honor your mother and father, you know, if, 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 if that was done in our society more often, if this commandment was done in our society more often, as well as, as making God first, we wouldn't be seeing the family problems that we see in today's day and age. You know, I've always said that, the, that families are the nucleus of our society. The destruction and the breakups of our family is the the downfall of our society. And when mothers and fathers cannot be honored, then it tends to domino effect with the children and their children eventually within time. I've heard before, well, you, you didn't, you don't understand. You, you weren't in my, in my household. My, my parents don't deserve to be honored. You know, if there's anything I've learned is that we're going to make mistakes too. Our kids are going to probably think the same thing at times when they don't get their way. My parents don't deserve honor. <laughs> I didn't get what I wanted. But there was so much more importance to, to, to honoring mothers and fathers that have been misconcepted. And, you know, I look back at my childhood and I think to myself, I was like, oh, gosh, if, that's, if that is a, uh, a commandment with a promise to live long on the earth, I'll be dead tomorrow. <laughs> you know, but God is graceful. And, and I do. I honor my, my mother and father. And I, I love them dearly. And I, I pray that my children will, will do the same. I pray that your children will do the same because this is the thing that will make a difference in our society. If we can follow this commandment, then our households will be a whole other story. If we could follow all these commandments, everything would just be ten of them only. There was ten commandments, but yet, you know, a lot of us can't even follow them all. If, if we were able to follow all of these, how much better would things be here on earth? Now we see why God gave us these things, right? Verse 13, you shall not murder. Well, we all know that that's not a good thing. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's amazing because people have asked questions before. Well, what happens to those who are in the military? What happens to those who have killed somebody? Now, what we have to understand here is, is in the Hebrew writing, this is murder versus that of killing. There's a whole other word for the word for, for murder than there is killing. See, what God was speaking to Moses about here was basically premeditated act of taking somebody's life. So, for instance, when uh, years later, or, um, or within time, when God was continuing to give the, the laws, God created six cities of refuge in Israel, three on the east and, and, and three on the west side of the Jordan rivers. And these cities of refuge were basically places where somebody can, can, uh, can live in, in protection if they accidentally killed somebody. Because God knew that, that there would be an avenger out there. He gave the example of, say for instance, if, if you're chopping wood and your axe head goes flying off and, and kills the person next to you in an accidental killing, then chances are that there will be a blood avenger who, is mo- who would most likely be a brother or a relative will go after you. Now, inside of the refuge city, you will be able to be uh, judged by the officials if your, if your case was true. 
And by that, you will be able to live in there with safety, and, and the Avenger cannot go in there and harm you unless you go outside the city. And that did happen in regards to King David's sons. We'll get there one day. But God knew what he was doing. And, and again, this is murder versus killing. Okay, there was people, there was people in the military that, that had to defend. They had to defend their, you know, their country or their lives in the military versus that of, of that of a murder. I use the example of World War II. I use the example of Nazi Germany when, when the, um, when the trials were had in regards to Nazi soldiers and, and then the hunt that was had on these Nazi soldiers that were, that were found years later in their, you know, in their 70s, 80s, and, uh, you know, I don't know, maybe some of them even might have lived close to 90 years old, were put on trial. Now, what they did was they went after these soldiers who murdered, because there were, there were German soldiers who fought in the war that had to fight in the war. But what they went over, what they went after were the Nazi soldiers who did the murdering. And, and and so we look at the example of that of premeditated acts. You know, people people that have have uh, planned something in order to to take somebody's life was the downfall. And so people have asked, "When if I accidentally run somebody over, you, you accidentally killed somebody, and that is and that is horrific." But when we premeditatedly take a life from somebody, then that is what as God is saying is, is wrong here. The very first murder that was ever done on earth was done between two brother or between a brother. It was Cain and Abel. Cain killed his brother Abel, murdered his brother Abel out of jealousy. And within time, people continue to do so, which is why we see these commandments. And as we continue in verse 14, we have another serious issue, that you shall not commit adultery. What is that? Committing adultery is, is having an affair or a sexual relation with somebody other than your spouse. And we have seen the downfall from that. We have seen the downfall from marriages in, in that so commonly often. And what's, what's sad is, is that there was, a, there was a study and a statistic taken, a questionnaire that was taken... And the question was asked is if you could have an affair, if you can have an affair and your husband or wife did not find out or would never find out, would you do it? And, and the amount of people that admitted to, to saying, yes, I would do it if it were never uh, found out was astronomical. It was absolutely astronomical. You know, the, the divorce rate in the United States has really gone up. And, and the, the largest amount was a lot of it was due to adultery. And that is the one, the one option that was had in, in order for divorce in the eyes of the Lord. Now that was an option, not a command. The command was that you shall not commit adultery because again, this was a preventative measure. God did not want us to be committing adultery because that is something special between a union between a husband and a wife. And, and the act of that causes such destruction. If you've ever seen the look on the faces of people who were victims of it, who loved their spouse, 
and and they had a marital affair and you see the you see the hurt in their eyes you see the destruction in the and and the split within their family that is that is a very serious issue god knows what he's doing god took these things and he and he he gave us these things because he knew the destruction of what is of what has had throughout the years we always say God is good all the time, and, and yes, He is, because He created these things to prevent us from from having to go through these things if we were able to uh, if we we're able to obey these things. You know, we we like to say that we uh, within New Testament scriptures that we live in an we live in an age of grace, and, and unfortunately, a lot of people like to say or use that as a as a reason to be able to do what we want because we live in this uh, day and age of grace. So that that is a whole other story. There is per, there is percussions uh, for everything, repercussions for everything that we do, even though there is grace given to us. We're not free from the consequences, you know. And, and so God, again, we look at these things. None of these things were were not in the New Testament. All of these things were in the New Testament. And so we are given grace if we ask for forgiveness. But again, these were preventative measures. See, the laws were given to us so that way we could move around, uh, so we could move around safely, if you will. And for us to not be, uh, for us to not be doing these things was, uh, again, preventative measures for a better life on earth until we make our way to the greatest life in eternity we'll ever have. And if we continue, as we look in verse, uh, uh, 15, another thing too, you shall not steal. And, a lot of us, that's probably the one thing a lot of us have done in one way, shape, or form, that we have stolen something. What have we stolen before? I uh, stole a candy bar from a, from a liquor store when I was a kid. Some people have stolen cars, jewelry, money. Uh, some people have kidnapped, <laughs> which is a form of stealing somebody's child. You know, people steal people's husbands or wives. They steal their boyfriends or their girlfriends. And And, and even... Even rape is a form of, of stealing somebody's uh, innocence. Now we look at this, we shall not steal, and we think of the term of stealing something of, of that of a possession. And yes, that's absolutely true, but it goes deeper than that. We steal more than possessions. We steal things in life from people that God does not approve of. And, and, and that is the aspect, again, of why we look at these things. Okay, we shall not steal, but we don't always realize that, that the fact that we are stealing somebody's uh, livelihood. We're stealing somebody's uh, joy. We're stealing something from somebody of importance. And I think if anything, if, if there's anything that a believer should be stealing, it should be stealing the hearts of those around us, just as the Lord did, right? We need to be stealing the hearts of those around us in order to bring those people to the Lord. But we should never steal anything of any sorts. And, and again, I want to bring up something very important. See, if you're reading through these, maybe you have been a victim of some of these aspects. A lot of people have been stolen from. Unfortunately, many people have been the victim of adultery. Some people have had a relative murdered. Uh, fathers and mothers were not honored. They were disrespected and, and, and unloved. 
And when we can look back at these things, and we're going to continue to carry on with the other uh, with, with the other few here that we're going to be looking at. When we look back at these things and say that we've been a victim of these commandments that God said not to do, think of the pain and understand why he gave it to us, right? And as we continue and we're looking here, and it gets interesting because why did God give this one in verse 16? That you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Well, that's an interesting one because you shall not bear false witness. What does that mean? Well, what this means is to bear false witness in a legal process, which would be like lying in court, uh, causing someone to be sitting in the defense seat. Now, I'd look at the um, the example in the book of Acts, chapter 6, verse 8 and through 15, which also goes into uh, uh, Acts 7, verse 54 to 60, in regards to uh, Stephen, who was one of the uh, first deacons in the New Testament. Stephen was also the very first martyr. The the officials, the Pharisees, created a bunch of lies in regards to in regards to Stephen and and caused him to be sitting on the on the court case in in regards to saving uh, ending his life. And so they ended up stoning Stephen on false pretenses. And there was an interesting question asked about this at one point. Somebody asked, "Well, did these Jewish officials commit murder with slander?" Well, the answer is yes, we did see in the scriptures, we've seen slanderous lies. And then second, we've seen capital punishment, uh, uh, capital punishment was to be done or approved by the Roman officials at this time. Even Jesus' trial, even though, even though the, it was unjust in a lot of ways, his trial was done by approval. But, you know, these guys here, they took it upon themselves to kill Stephen, the very first martyr in the Bible. Well, it's interesting. Who was there? Who was there to approve of that? None other than Saul, who we knew, uh, his, as we know, as Paul the Apostle, who, after coming to Christ, wrote Colossians three nine. <laughs> Colossians three nine says, "Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds." Man's deeds are 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 just what we just read about. See, the Lord's deeds builds. Okay, you have people who are demolishers, and then you have those who are builders. See, we never had to be taught how to lie. That's something that became natural. We have to be taught to tell the truth. And, and, and we can divide it into three categories. We can divide it into slander, tail-bearing, and wrong silence. Because some of the greatest forms of slander and masters of it is a lot of times in, in, in the form of politics. Because many slander out of dislike or um, hatred or to gain, uh, we can expect that from politicians. When you know, when we see a, camp, uh, a camp, uh, campaign commercial, <laughs> it seems if you're in politics, you either have dirt on one hand or blood on the other, and that's expected. But see, amongst friends, amongst classmates or families, church families, it could be fellow employees. See, that's a little more scarring than the proverbial political advertisements. Because I cannot tell you. The emotional or psychological damage that I have personally seen and witnessed from slanders. Now keep in mind the slander is a blatant false accusation. No proof, no witness, just an accusation. We also look in 1 Timothy 5.19. It says that you shall not make accusations against an elder unless there are two or more witnesses. And that protects the leadership against slander. 
But on the other side of the coin, I have actually seen people use that scripture in wrong. And what they do is, is they gossip or slander to one person. And then when it gets out, their defense is, I'm an elder, I'm a pastor. You know, you cannot accuse me without two witnesses. <laughs> and, and so basically without two or more people, it didn't happen. Uh, unfortunately, that was uh, uh, one case that, that has happened in the past. That, that I've witnessed before on, on a couple of occasions. That, you know, I'm only going to speak to one person, therefore I could scripturally get away with it. Well, God knows we did it. God knows what was done and said. But nothing, nothing, uh, nothing's hidden from his sight. Check this one out. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife nor his male servant, nor his female servant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor anything that is your neighbor's. Now, when we, when we look at the other nine, this tenth was different because the nine were in regards to what we do in physical form. Or at least the other five were done in physical form. But this one is regarding uh, of, of the heart. This one is regarding of the heart and its desires. Because it's interesting to observe a word in Hebrew or Greek because of its meaning. But, you know, covet in Hebrew, is it says hamad. Uh, to desire means to pant after like a dog going after a bone that, that someone dangles in front of them. Well, today people don't covet donkeys, you know, in middle class America. But it would be, uh, it would be their cars. It would be their form of transportation. And there, there seems to be... There seems to be uh, uh, a lot of things involved when we've done some, uh, some of these things that God commanded us to keep away from. You know, murder, adultery, theft, bearing false witness were actions, but they were led by what was in the heart. See, again, all of these uh, were preventative measures because these are the things that ruin and end lives on earth. And, and as I was given this to say, the Lord directed me to, um, to his word to verify exactly what was said. In the book of James, chapter 4, verse 1 through 6, it says, Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasures that war in your members? You lust and you, and you do not have. You murder and covet. You cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is, en is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously? But he gives more grace, therefore he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. You know, notice how James mentioned desires, okay? He mentioned uh, murder, adulterers, wars, fights. You know, you lust and do not have. You murder and you covet. You cannot obtain. Because God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. You know, James wrote it first. And then Peter said it, he said it many years later in his epistle. And if you want a prescription for killing worldliness, a simple antibiotic is humility and humbleness. I've heard what wealthy businessmen have confessed. And that is that they, they become obsessed with accomplishing the next, uh, the next big thing. 
Once I've accomplished my goal, I do not know what to do with myself, so they covet something more. We label people without a lot of times, uh, you know, we, we think that they are the, the coveters, and coveting is in all people from all classes in life. Because, I, you know, I think uh, wealthy people covet as much, if not more, than everyday middle class people do. Coveting more money, bigger home, faster and newer car. And when we look at why God said not to covet, it was, it was first for your own mental, spiritual, and emotional health. Because coveting kills. It's like fruit when it goes bad. It's always rotting from the inside. And you can't always tell, but eventually it starts to show through the exterior. Sometimes not, but it, you know you have to open it in order to see. Because I experienced that firsthand with some grapefruits on my own fruit tree outside. Uh, I picked one off and it was because it looked great and shiny on the outside, but it was dead and hollow when I opened it up. And, and that's what coveting does. It builds from inside, eventually causing for an exterior showing of the issue. You know, did you ever see The Bodyguard with Whitney Houston movie? You know, uh, it was a good movie. Her, her own sister put a hit. She he put a hit on her because she had everything. And the hitman that was hired ended up killing the sister first. It was all driven by coveting in this in this movie. And, and there was a there was a king who was the husband of the wicked Jezebel, and he he wanted a small vineyard, this this land of a nearby resident, and he wanted to buy it, but the owner refused. But the king it put the king into a depression, and Jezebel asked, "What's up?" And, and so he said he told her what happened, and she says, "I'll I'll take care of this." <laughs> So she ended up having the guy killed because her husband wanted this little prime piece of land that he couldn't have. See, I think of what King David said in the most well-known popular psalm of chapter 23, that the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Because coveting is wanting something you do not or cannot have. King David was very rich, but he knew the dangers of coveting. You know... It, if most knew the life of King David, no one would covet the life of this man, regardless of his extreme wealth. I have a friend in another state who had friends who were doing quite well, and he felt like he could never get, he never got into that position, and he would ask why, you know, why? I don't know, I don't know what or why. But I, I knew him enough to know that, you know, it could it possibly could go to his head one day or something like that. And, and more than anything, God knows what forms of success that may, that may do to people if they obtain it. See, he will keep people from certain things we, we've always longed for because he knows us better than we know ourselves. When we look at coveting, it is the root of Satan's fall. He's the originator of sin. It was coveting. It was pride of why he got thrown out of heaven. You know, Isaiah chapter 14 gave the account of the, I, of the five I wills of Satan. He said, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. And last, he said, I will be like the most high. Satan coveted God. And by everything we read, it was all said out of pride. There, there's a, um, it's interesting, there's a retired Christian uh, cold case detective from L.A. that said there's normally three main reasons for murder. It, it's due to power, it's, either, it's due to power, sex, and money. And three of the most coveted things on the face of the earth are those three things. Power, sex, and money. 
Now, what's interesting about the fact is what Billy Graham said when he was alive uh, back in the day. What Billy Graham said, three things in ministry. Keep your hands off the money. Keep your hands off the women. Keep your hands off the glory. And the laws given were to help us navigate while on earth. Because, uh, But here's the light at the end of the tunnel. Once we're in heaven, we will not worry about coveting. More, more, than, uh, more than we will ever uh, want or need, if anything, it'll be there. It'll be above and beyond any of our desires. Because no matter how big your house was, how fancy your car was, everyone's grave is going to be the same size or same depth on earth. But you see, heaven is sufficient for all. We will be beyond joyous. And I pray that we can experience a little bit of it here while we're here on earth. You know, it's interesting listening to, um, listening to sermons being taught nowadays. A lot of, uh, what's interesting is there, there seems to be a lot of cultural relevance more than there is scriptural or spiritual relevance in a lot of sermons nowadays. And when I look at the Ten Commandments, the Ten Commandments and the, and the Word of God in general has a cultural relevance, but more so with scriptural, spiritual relevance. The Ten Commandments involves all of those things. See, I called them the, the vertical commandments and the horizontal commandments. And there was an instrument used on earth, on, on that instrument is, is what our Lord and Savior Christ Jesus passed away from. It was on a cross. There was nothing more vertical or nothing more horizontal than that of the cross. And so I want to give us the opportunity. The opportunity to know the Lord by receiving His Son who died on on that cross for our sins. His Son who died on that cross for our salvation. That is our ticket into heaven. That is what is said. In order to make it to the Father, we must go through the Son. And that is what He did. Christ Jesus fulfilled all those commandments and then some. And He did it for us. He took all of the breaking of those commandments on the cross for us. The sins of the world He took upon Himself. That's what the Bible teaches. So I want to give the opportunity, if you feel led, to want to be able to be a part of him, to know him and to make it to heaven, to receive Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior. So if you feel led, I want you to say this prayer after me. Dear God, please forgive me. Forgive me of all of my sins. As I confess to you that I am a sinner, and I ask, Lord, for you to forgive me of my sins. I ask of you, Lord, to cleanse me. And I thank you for dying for me on the cross. I thank you for coming, Lord. And I receive you now as my Lord and my Savior. And may you receive me as one of your sons or daughters, Lord. As I am now one of yours, Father. As I love you and I praise you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, I pray that, again, that we, we got a, a, a good outlook of what God wants and who God is. Because, again, there's so much more to Him. But these were just ten simple things, right? Ten simple aspects of what He wanted. 
So may we continue to, to walk with him and observe these things daily because they will save our lives. They will help our lives. That's what he wants. He wants the best for us, even here on earth. But it'll be even better when we make it up there with him. So I pray that you've said the, the prayer. And may you walk closely with, with him at all times. God bless you.